Welcome to the Member Engagement Show with Higher Logic, the podcast for association professionals looking to boost retention, gain new members, and deepen member involvement. Each episode, I'll bring on some experts, we'll talk shop about engagement, and you'll walk away with strategies proven to transform your organization. I'm Beth Arrett, an association evangelist with over 25 years experience in marketing and member engagement, and I'm so happy you're here. Now let's start the show. Hello, and welcome back to the Member Engagement Show. Today, Sarah Spinoza, HireLogic's Product Marketing Manager, and my colleague from AAA as well, where she was the Marketing Director, are going to be talking about what we learned when we attended the 2022 ASAE Marketing Membership and Communications Conference in D.C., where over 700 MarCom and membership professionals and experts in the association community gathered to learn and network. Sarah and I both have long association backgrounds, so we really enjoyed attending the sessions and getting to talk with our peers. Uh, so Sarah, I want to tell everyone a little bit about your background before we jump in. Yeah, thanks for having me, Beth. Um, as you mentioned, I do have um, extensive experience in the association world. Before coming over to Higher Logic, I did a stint in SAS. Um, so here I am. I'm happy to be joining you and excited to talk about what we saw at the conference. And let's, let's start at the beginning. The conference kicked off with this fascinating keynote by Mike Maddock, who's the author of Plan D and self-proclaimed idea monkey. I definitely identify with that. Sarah and I have worked together, obviously, in an association as well as here at Higher Logic. Immediately realized that I'm the idea monkey and she's the ringleader, which is why we work so well together. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Although I'm sure as the ringleader, I drive you a little bit nuts, but you know, that's okay. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> Um, I did think it was fascinating the way he talked about how the world kind of needs both, uh, that the idea monkeys are basically here to disrupt, like start the disruption to go, what if we did this? And then there's the, the poor ringleaders who are like, yeah, okay. I, I yeah. Okay, fine. I think we can do this. How are we going to do this? And yeah. then the idea monkey's like, oh, let's do this, this, and this. And okay, well, you realize that we have to do X and Y and Z and the idea monkeys, that's nice. Have fun. Hey, what if we go over here and do this? And then leaves the poor ringleader off to like, you know, handle a lot of it. Yes. The ringleader has to be the voice of reason and uh, has to reel it all in and pull it all together while you're out there dreaming up your crazy dreams. Yeah. And I did, I did get the chance. I've had the chance a few times to be both parts. And I will freely admit that I'm much better at the idea monkey than I am at the ringleader. I had to learn some ringleading, but it was de it's definitely much easier to do when you have somebody who's A, good at ringleading, and B, actually understand you. You know, kind of speak, speak your own little language there. I did love his example of Roy and Walt Disney. I kind of felt sorry for poor old Roy. He did the ringleading job and he did a lot of the work. And then Walt's the one everybody talks about because it's the Walt Disney Company. I know. I know. I feel bad for Roy. Nobody knows about Roy. Poor little Roy over here. <laughs> I did kind of forget that Roy existed until Mike started talking about him. <laughs> Sorry. Um, well, I mean, it's the Walt Disney Company. Honestly, I forget Walt's name when somebody just calls it Disney until somebody calls it the Walt Disney Company. So, you know, maybe it's just my memory. It's not that poor Roy's forgotten. It's just that I forget everything. One or the other. That's another fun thing about Idea Monkeys. Once we've moved on to the next thing, We've pretty much forgotten half of the last one. So you come back and ask us six months later, um, how are you planning on doing this? And you're like, doing what? I don't understand. Was that a thing I said we were going to do? So I also got the chance to sit in on Jay Schwedelson's 
critical email tips to radically improve marketing performance session. And there was a lot in there that really challenged our traditional thinking about email rules, quote unquote. He did a lot of myth busting. One that stuck with me was that they found that using an emoji as the first character of an e-newsletter increased the open rates by 22%. And there's a hot and heavy discussion in some arenas right now about using emojis at all, but let alone using it at the very beginning. So I thought that that was interesting that that they actually got that much of an increase just by putting an emoji as the first character. And he did kind of show what it looked like uh, when you have the same basic starter or the same basic subject line for your newsletter every week and you've got a whole line of them in your inbox it does look kind of boring so yeah yeah and I used to follow Jay when we worked at AAAE I used to follow Jay on LinkedIn and every now and then when I had a chance I would attend his webinars that he would put on and and pick up little nuggets like that that I would bring back and try at AAAE and it was always you know it's always the challenge of but this is the way we've always done it we our subject line for this newsletter has always been x y and z week of date like how could we even possibly think about changing it but you know the fact is like you have to you have to be willing to stretch and to try and you know to experiment otherwise your audience can go tone deaf agreed agreed but i also really highly recommend testing uh i tested that on amp a couple of times and consistently without a doubt the one that was the your curated news for and then the date performed better across the board every time. Amazing. I know. It surprised the heck out of me. I'm like, but all thought and reason that we keep hearing from people is that that's not the best way to go. But the reality is it depends in part on your audience. Yeah. And you you mentioned AMP. You should definitely do a shameless plug for that. Oh, we should definitely talk about that. AMP is the Association Marketing Pros newsletter. comes out every Tuesday. And you should get the link from the notes for the podcast and come on over and subscribe. Lots of good stuff in there. And I try to curate things that are of specific interest to associations, even though some of it will say B2B, I'll try to sort of sort out how that applies when I put it in there. So thank you for the plug. <laughs> I mean, you plugged it. I just reminded you. Yes. Thank you for the push for the plug. I appreciate that's, that. That's why I'm, I'm always happy later. There's some exciting things coming down the line very soon for AMP too. So join now, get in on the fun. I will say that the other thing that um, Jay mentioned right after you basically talking about how over the last six months that increased using the emoji increased the open rates by 22%. He also talked about the fact that open rates mean pretty much nothing these days. Apple privacy. Because of the Apple privacy policy. Yeah. Because of the Apple privacy policy, open rates mean pretty much nothing these days. So I'm like, how much of the change in the last six months has been because of that emoji and how much has been because of Apple? And that's a good point. I mean, maybe open rates matter less, but opens still matter. Oh, yeah. Because if someone doesn't open it, they can't click through. They can't be exposed to your content. True. And I think a lot of people, uh, particularly those who send to business email addresses, are forgetting or it's it's such a it's become such a normal thing that people forget that unless someone specifically tells outlook to do so outlook doesn't show any images and without the image or someone clicking we don't know that they've opened it 
it has to either download an image or click because otherwise it's not interacting with the server. So open rates really haven't meant a ton. And I think Gmail's mostly followed suit with that. It's not downloading images by default unless you force it to. So open rates really haven't meant all that much to begin with. But now it's just shown a light on the fact that it really can't trust an open rate, which is all the more reason why you want to get people to engage with your email, not just passively read it. We're not a library. We're not in the library business. We don't want them to just look at the, the, the pretty books on the shelves. We want them to check them out so we know that's what they were interested in. Ooh, I like that. I'm going to be using that analogy again. Um, <laughs> see, over here being an idea monkey. Sorry. <laughs> I did a session on creative integrations, talking about sort of providing a journey for members. And I have to say, the questions I asked the audience, the, one of the most surprising things to me was how many associations don't think that they know their members. And I kind of feel like this is something that the industry as a whole really needs to focus on because you can't really provide that stellar member experience without knowing what people want in the first place, right? For sure. Yeah, but I'm not quite sure how to address this though. You know, there's a lot that can be learned from the data if people are capturing it and they know how to read it. And you can always survey members. So I'm still kind of really mulling over how to help with that. Yeah, I mean, I think all that requires mental bandwidth and staff time. And I think that was another thing that we've seen at the conference and been hearing from our customers and prospects is that, you know, staff is turning over. They don't have as big of a staff as they used to. They're limited on time. And I think that just, you know, it, it's viewed as a luxury to tailor your communication and personalize the member experience when in truth, it needs to be looked at as a must do. And yeah, I think it's, that's it's, still definitely lacking by and large. Yeah, in 2022, it's a necessity to have a solid member experience that keeps people. And you can't have that if you have no idea what they want. So I think that it's, and you also can't go out and get new people if you don't know what the membership and what your audience is looking for. So I'm still, I guess I'm still really kind of mulling over how to help with that. And anybody I mean, listening, please, if you have ideas or thoughts or ways that you've done it, please ping me on LinkedIn. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the way that we did it at, did it at AAAE was just trying to get all of the data in one place. So really maximizing the use of integrations and picking a source of truth for all of the data that you're collecting and saying, okay, this is the right information. This is the most accurate information. So for us, I mean, when we were at AAAE, I would say that was IMIS, right? So yeah, it will. I'm, yeah, IMIS was our source of truth, but we brought a lot of information to IMIS. Um, we brought subject line searches and information into IMIS from Higher Logic Community. We brought web tracking and informs landing page information and email opens into it from uh community from um informs yeah. so you know we kind of brought in a lot of stuff and we just made imus the centerpiece imus mm -hmm. yeah. where everything lived yeah definitely yeah yeah so i mean instead of trying to chase down data from one siloed piece of software to another siloed piece of software you know i think we made the intentional choice to decide okay imus is where all of that information will live and it will be housed it can be sourced from other outside software pieces like HireLogic. 
but knowing that IMS was going to be the place where you looked, where you logged notes about your conversations with these members and prospective members and things like that. And I think that was a big key to like the success that we saw at AAA, where we just, I think over time got better at honing and understanding what each individual personal member was looking for. And I think that's really still a challenge with a lot of other associations. Yeah. And I know that there are tools out there. Um, associations analytics comes to mind where you can pull that information from your source of truth into analytics software that kind of understands it can help you understand it. We did a lot of it ourselves because we were lucky to have the people on the team who were able to put everything, all the information in one place. We went in, we weighted everything to give it people subject scores. So we knew what they were interested in. And we did a lot of work in the back end to create this system and create this engage not only engagement scoring with what the organization did but with what subjects we covered and i know that like i said there are tools for people who don't have that bandwidth that can really help with that and help you figure out what's of importance so some of it may just be finding the right tool or the right organization to help you with it Mm -hmm. um and i'm blanking associations analytics i'm sorry is the only one that comes to mind right now um i'm blanking on anybody else but i mean they're a great example of what you can do with the data once you get it into that one source of truth. So I had to head out to Kansas City for the Missouri Pro Communicators Conference, but Sarah, I know that you got to actually see Rakia Reynolds' closing keynote, Distinguishing Your Mission and Vision Through Storytelling. I'm really sorry I had to miss that. So can you talk a little bit about what you learned there? Yeah, so she talked a lot about humanizing your brand, um, you know, and how important that is just, you know, just as important as creating a great customer experience or member experience. But also she really dug into like being true to your, to true to like your set of values and passions and, and knowing your audience's true set of values. Right. And so she spoke a lot to just like aligning with aligning your brand to those values of your your clientele or your members in this case. Um, yeah, it sounds like it. I'm sorry I had to miss it. Uh, I just, storytelling is so important to marketing and having that vision to understand how to do that in a singular voice that matches your audience, that resonates with your audience, I think is critical to that member experience we were talking about. And I think that's, you know, part of the reason too why we saw on the agenda, we saw a lot of topics around content. People are very keen on content uh, for marketing and uh, to also provide that value that members are looking for. Uh, So you need that to get your new members, but you also need that to tell your story and to provide value. So the content is so important on so many fronts. And in talking about that, let's talk about a few other um, overall themes that we saw. And we all love being back in person. That was awesome. Oh, for sure. And I think ASAE did a great job too with how they approached it. You know, for for those who are listening that didn't attend, ASAE gave you like your choice of lanyard. So a green lanyard indicated you were okay with handshaking. Um, A yellow lanyard indicated you were okay with like an elbow bump. And a red lanyard was indicated that the person was just requesting some distance. And so that was really helpful too, and kind of like getting back out there and understanding how to interact with people again in the real world after such a long pause. It was very weird, but the weirdest thing was how it wasn't as weird as it should have been, or it felt like it should have been. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. A couple of the other themes, I mean, I know that 
everyone is definitely seeing huge shifts in their membership as people change jobs and careers pretty much across the board. That was a big one. And there, oh, there, the emphasis on member experience. You know, once you get the members, we want to keep them. Member experience, I think, is going to be huge coming down the pike, don't you think? Oh, for sure. I mean, if you're not already focusing on member experience, you should be. Yeah, it, it's going to be hugely important. People are going to have bigger expectations. You've got the um, millennials are, you know, kind of in the middle now. And you've got the Gen Zers coming right after them who are already in the workforce. And they expect more personalization. The, the other thing, too, about the storytelling, going back to that for a second, is Gen Zers, they really like storytelling. They like authenticity in the storytelling. And yeah. so that whole thing about your authentic voice, that's going to be huge as they get yeah. more and more part of the workforce. Yeah. And I think... Like you said, authenticity is key. And the other piece that was talked about a lot that's really important with them is the omni-channel marketing. Gen Z hates email. Um, And and millennials hate phone calls. So, I mean, I can tell you, don't call me. Unless you're my mom, don't call me. If you're my mom, you can call me. (laughs) My mom FaceTimes me. She doesn't call me. (laughs) She texts me and she FaceTimes me. They don't open emails. They're kind of all over the place and they expect you to reach them wherever they are. If they're on a deserted island and you have a message that's important to them, they somehow expect you to find them with a little airplane that flies over and skywrites what the message is. Okay, maybe not quite that bad, but you get the idea. Looking into ways that you can make multi-channel work for you. RSS, people who know me know that I love RSS feeds, but there are ways to use RSS to spread your message to a lot of different places all at once and still be able to do this on a smaller with a smaller staff on a smaller budget. And speaking of budget, I think non-dues revenue was probably bigger than ever. I think people probably need to recoup revenue post-pandemic. Uh, and of course, you need money to provide that member experience. So, you know, NDR is big and people are going to be looking for more ways to do that. I think there's probably some opportunity as people may go hybrid or record their sessions because they've gotten more used to it when they go back in person, there might be some opportunities there. And then I think there's some other things that people are going to be talking about coming down the pike that might be interesting. I don't know. Can you think of anything else that we didn't really talk about? No, I think, I mean, for me, the biggest takeaway is how little personalizing the member experience is happening, which is kind of shocking, right? Because like Every one of your members, every one of your prospective members is a consumer and they expect when they log into their Amazon account, they expect to see a perfectly curated suggestion. They expect when they turn on Netflix to see suggested shows or movies that are right in line with their interests of what they've been watching. So the fact that we're not expecting our associations to provide that same kind of curated experience is amazing. But I mean, the conference, I think, gave me a little hope to think that like the tides are, the tides are changing, things are shifting and, and associations are recognizing how important that really is. Yeah, people are talking about it and they're thinking about it. And that's the first step. I will say that I think we should know our members better than Amazon or Netflix. For one thing, we have a much more narrow crossover between what we do and what their interests are. So it was like if it's Netflix for electric distributors and nothing else you know so i think that from between that and the fact that we should just know our members better than amazon or netflix knows us that it's only a matter of time before members start realizing that oh no wait you should know me better than that 
Why am I paying you money? Amazon knows me this well for quote unquote free for no additional expense cost, I should say. Right. <laughs> yeah. The moment I start buying stuff, they start knowing me or at least they know what I buy, which if you're like me and you buy a lot of gifts for a lot of nieces, nephews, brothers, sisters, family, Amazon doesn't really know me that well at all, but that's beside the point. On that point where you were mentioning how, you know, if you're shopping for your niece or nephew, maybe it doesn't get you so much. What I think is interesting is every now and then I'll log into my Amazon account like during football season and it'll say, do you think the Washington Commanders are going to win this week? Because I've washed, I've ordered Washington Commanders gear for my husband. Well, no, I don't think they're going to win this week. I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan. I was like, oh, showing that to an Eagles fan is just <laughs> evil. <laughs> but I know if I click on that and I interact with it, I know I'm going to be training Amazon to think that I am the Commanders fan in this house, right? Yep. I mean, I just think it's like really interesting to look at the ways they go about trying to to know you better and trying to personalize that experience a little bit more. And like, you know, I often think about how we can do that and how how associations can do that better. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me and everyone else. Thanks for joining us and indulging us while we talk through this. Uh, as a reminder, don't forget to subscribe to the Member Engagement Show through Apple, Google, Amazon, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, because just like we talked about earlier, we try to be everywhere you are. And be sure to subscribe to my newsletter, Association Marketing Pros or AMP. You can grab that link from the episode notes. Thanks. See you again next week. <laughs>